It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on saints. Your daily new Orleans saints podcast. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into this Film Friday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. On today's episode, our final of the week, we've got injury updates for this weekend's game as the Saints continue to get good news and the 49ers just continue to pile up injuries. Then we'll get to some of the questions that we didn't get to on Wednesday's mailbag episodes. The Saints dodge a bullet by not actually being able to pull off their move for Jadavion Clowney this offseason. Then we'll wrap up with our Film Friday look at the San Francisco 49ers. We'll discuss how the Saints have everything they need to attack, exploit, and beat the 49ers in the Dome. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host of the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. While the New Orleans Saints did add one player to their injury report on Thursday, still not a lot of concern, especially compared to what the San Francisco 49ers are dealing with. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. On Wednesday's injury report, the Saints did have perfect attendance in terms of their active roster at practice, but did have four players limited. Eric McCoy, offensive lineman with an elbow injury, Drew Brees, quarterback with his right shoulder. Ryan Ramchek, offensive tackle with a back injury, and wide receiver Michael Thomas still listed limited with an ankle and hamstring injury. The four of those players were also limited on Thursday, and the Saints did add another player, running back Dwayne Washington, 
with a back injury. That back injury, one can assume, must have happened on Wednesday at practice or happened during Sunday's game, but worsened during practice on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, look, you've got four starters here in Eric McCoy, Drew Brees, Ryan Ramchick, and Michael Thomas to obviously keep a close eye on going into Friday's injury report to see if they elevate to full. If any of them downgrade to did not participate or did not practice, then that would be a cause for concern. But at this moment, looks like the Saints should have their full, be at full strength going into this game. But we'll see what the Friday injury report holds later on in the day. But look, while the Saints had five players listed on their injury report as limited, it is nothing compared to the San Francisco 49ers injury report. Remember, the San Francisco 49ers are already carrying in a list of 14 players on just their injured reserve list for various reasons. Although Richard Sherman is in the midst of his 21-day window to return, the 49ers also listed six players on their Wednesday and Thursday injury reports. And in each day, five of the six players did not practice. On Wednesday, Tevin Coleman, running back, linebacker Demetrius Flanagan Foles, wide receivers Debo Samuel and Trent Taylor, and cornerback Kawan Williams, who operates in the slot for the 49ers, all did not practice. River Crackriff did practice on Wednesday, but was downgraded to did not practice on Thursday, while Trent Taylor, one of the few healthy wide receivers on the 49ers roster, was elevated from did not practice to full participation. So it's good news for the 49ers there to essentially have at least Brandon Ayuk. You would probably see Richie James and Trent Taylor as their top three wide receivers at this point, although we have seen a running list of wide receivers at this point during the season that have not practiced at all during the week that managed to still play against the Saints at some point. So still keep an eye out on Debo Samuel, although it's looking more and more like he's trending toward not playing this week. So for the 49ers, still dealing with a ton of injuries, and this is absolutely a team that's going the opposite trajectory of New Orleans. New Orleans is getting healthier. They look to be getting their offense back to full strength. The defense looked like it really clicked last week. Now it's just trying to maintain as much of a lack of a drop-off as possible moving forward there. And they just continue to get healthier and continue to get bodies and pieces back for this team. Meanwhile, the 49ers just continue to lose players and continue to not be able to put together and field the team that everybody thought may potentially have a good chance at making another run to repeat an appearance in the Super Bowl and be you know big-time competitors in the NFC. And they're still competitors within, within the NFC, that's for certain. But right now, this looks like a team that the Saints should be able to walk in and host on Sunday and beat. And we'll dig a little bit more into the actual X's and O's of that. But right now, from a personnel perspective, the San Francisco 49ers are struggling to get their players on the field, while the New Orleans Saints look to be getting healthier and healthier week by week. Don't forget Emmanuel Sanders is also back with the team, as is Marquez Calloway, who both came back in last week's game. And uh, last week, there was also Alvin Kamara who had the toe injury. He has not appeared back on the injury report at all for this week. So all seems to be fine there. But again, we'll keep an eye out on the Friday injury report later today, which will come out with updates on the Saints five players listed as limited on Thursday, as well as their game status designations going into Sunday's week 10 matchup against the 49ers, 325 Central Time. So a bit of a change of pace for New Orleans Saints fans who are finally hearing some good news after hearing nothing but injury after injury early on in the season. It's good to see this team, even if only for a little while, start to get healthy, especially at this point in the year where they can start to make that final playoff push. Of course, Sheldon Rankins is not included in this equation because he, as well as Justin Hardy, are currently on injured reserve. But 
at least with Sheldon Rankins. He is expected to be back at some point this season. The injury that he suffered against the Chicago Bears was gruesome, but he did avoid any major damage to that knee. So he is expected to be back within three weeks of that injury. So now just about two weeks or so away, give or take a week, right? This could easily extend for him. Uh, as they get closer and closer to potentially returning Sheldon Rankin just in time for that final playoff push and, of course, the playoffs as well. And this defensive line has performed very well, and that's going to be one of three key units that we're going to talk about in our final segment today as we go into our Film Friday breakdown of the San Francisco 49ers, how the Saints can attack, exploit, and win their game. But first, we have some more of your questions to pick up from the mailbag on Wednesday we didn't get to, so we'll get to those next here on Locked on Saints, your team Every day this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Whether you're in the Dome or at home, we know that we're excited about the New Orleans Saints, especially after their performance last week. Now it's just about whether or not they can keep it up and remain consistent over the rest of this season, the second half of the season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, family. We are back for today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network this week, by the way, if you're an NBA fan, go and check out Locked On NBA as they go through their NBA mock draft over the entire week. Going to be some pretty incredible stuff starting up here soon. So go and check them out, Locked On NBA. Once you're done listening to this show, and then you'll get that NBA mock draft over the next week leading into the actual NBA draft itself. But for today here on this show, we're going to finish up our questions that we couldn't get to from Wednesday's mailbag. So we're going to hop around. I got one, two, three, four, five, six questions here. No, don't not account. Five questions here. And then uh, we'll get into our film Friday study, our film study of the San Francisco 49ers. How can the Saints attack, exploit, and beat the 49ers? They have everything they need. We'll talk about that more here in just a moment. Let's start off with uh, Michael Murray's first question here. He's going to have two, but we'll we'll cycle these around. So to stay on top of the NFC, the Saints need to win. To help the Saints, who should the Houdat Nation be rooting for this weekend? All right. So right now, the Saints, Seahawks, and Packers are tied at the top of the NFC. So that means you're actually rooting for a couple of different things to happen potentially. First and foremost, no matter what, you should be rooting for the Panthers to beat the Buccaneers. If the Panthers beat the Buccaneers and it just helps to create some division between the Saints and Bucks, they would drop to six and four, while the Saints could potentially improve to seven and two. Carolina Panthers with that win would improve to four and six, but still not a threat within the NFC South. So you're not really, you know, hedging your bet at all and potentially creating another issue uh, with them winning. So you're hoping for the Panthers to beat the Bucs. And then based upon the result of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Green Bay Packers game, you could be reaching, you could be rooting rather for a couple of different things to happen. So it seems pretty clear to me that the Packers are going to win that game (laughs) against the Jaguars. So if they do, then you're actually rooting for the Seahawks to win as well in the evening or in the afternoon along with the Saints. Because as long as there remains a three 
a three-team tie at the top of the NFC, then the Saints will be the number one seed based on conference record. So if the Packers improve to seven and two, then you want the Seahawks to improve to seven and two, and you want the Saints to improve to seven and two. If the Packers lose, then you can root then for the Seahawks to, to, to lose as well. And then you want the Saints to win, which would then create a one game separation, them at seven and two. And then it would actually create a little bit of turmoil in the NFC West. The Packers would be down at six and three. So you have a game separation there. And then you would also have the Seahawks and Rams tied at the top of the NFC West, creating some turmoil over in the NFC West, as well as creating some separation between the top seed in that division as well. So a couple of different things that you can root for there. And then when it comes to the Bears and Vikings, you're rooting probably for uh, the Bears to win because we all hate the Vikings. So there you go. That's your rooting guide. All right, let's jump over to uh, Brandon Simmons. NFL wide, who are your top three for MVP? Top three for MVP right now. I guess you have to have Patrick Mahomes in the conversation. He he is on pace for 50 touchdowns. So I guess I'll default him into the conversation. But for me, the next two guys at the top when it comes to the MVP race are Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. I know that it's a quarterback award. I know. I get it. I understand. My answer probably should have been Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson, and I'm crazy for not saying it. But you know what? Damn all that. I think that Dalvin Cook is as important to his team as any quarterback in the NFL right now. And I think that Alvin Kamara, because of the amount of things that he can do, should be in the MVP conversation and the incredibly productive season that he's had so far this season only backs that up. Now, with Michael Thomas coming back, with Emmanuel Sanders coming back, that might chew a little bit into Alvin Kamara's product, uh, production going, you know, heading into the season or deeper into the season, and maybe that adjusts that conversation. But for right now, based upon what we've seen Alvin Kamara do over the last eight games, I am 100% in on Alvin Kamara. It should be a part of the MVP conversation. And then, you know, if you want to swap either of those out for the quarterbacks that are already going to get a ton of love and attention, then please feel free. But that's my big thing. Um, next up, Daniel Lauren asks, how lucky are the Saints with Clowney uh, passing on playing in New Orleans? Do you see Loomis giving Hendrickson uh, a nice payday in the not too distant future? I think that he doesn't get a nice payday from the Saints. If he's going to get a nice payday, it's going to be from somewhere else who's going to buy into his his season of production here. But if he stays in New Orleans, it's on a hometown discount. Remember, it's tough for the Saints next year to retain pieces on expiring contracts or sign new free agents. They can get under the salary cap. That's not going to be a problem for them. It's just going to be a little bit tough for them in terms of adding talent or retaining expiring talent. So players like Rankins, Anzalone, Marcus Williams, Sheldon Rank, uh, I already said Rankins, Trey Hendrickson, uh, those guys are going to have to take essentially hometown discounts in order to stay. Might be a little bit easier with Sheldon Rankins because of his injury history. Might also be a little bit easier with Trey Hendrickson because up until this year, not a lot of uh, of talk about him around the league. So he could potentially end up staying in New Orleans, and I sure hope he does. I hope they're able to find a way to retain both he and Sheldon Rankins. We know Mickey Loomis will figure it out, but they're, but both sides have to play ball in order for him to maintain and stay in New Orleans. But I'm actually not one of the people that says that the Saints dodged a bullet by not signing Jadavian Clowney because we simply don't know if Jadavian Clowney would be having the same injury issues that he's having in Tennessee. So I think a lot of people point to Javion Clowney's injury issues and not being able to get on the field in Tennessee and say, oh, the Saints dodge a bullet there. And I think that's a little unfair because perhaps the Saints training staff now is better than Tennessee's, right? So there's other things that you kind of have to look at. But what I will say is that his lack of production when he is on the field is absolutely glaring. And the Saints did not need him, which is something we said from the very beginning. He would have been Lanyap and he would have been nice to have around, but the Saints didn't need him. And now that Trey Hendrickson is producing the way that he is, whether it's a mirage for one season or not, doesn't matter. It's happening right now. And that's what matters. 
then the Saints are in a really, really good place, though they didn't land Clowney. So that's the way that I would look at it. Uh, David Rowe, uh, you know, Ross, the Saints gained momentum uh, with a win on Sunday night, especially for the defense. Can it be maintained for the remainder of the season and how? Yes, it can be maintained. The how behind it, however, is the big question. We know how, right? It comes down to it comes down to execution. Can this team calmly execute, not panic, and you know, do everything they have to do on the back end to remain successful? Now they're getting a lot of help. You know, we're back to where we were at the beginning of the season when we were talking about the Saints getting pressure. At the beginning of last season, we were talking about the Saints getting pressure from their four down linemen. That's happening again. That pass rush is helping the secondary. The secondary is helping the pass rush in some situations as well. So as long as they're executing, right, the communication is there, the eye discipline is there, the routine is there, the rhythm is there, as long as all of that maintains, which again, you should expect a little bit of a drop off from what you saw against a divisional familiar opponent, right? Yeah, I know it's new. Now it's Tom Brady led and everything. I get it, but it's still a familiar opponent. So you should expect a little bit of a drop off. But what we're hoping now is as we watch it, that the consistency is there so that even with the drop off, they're still in a better place than they were before. So that's that's essentially what you're looking for here moving forward. It's going to come down to execution. And then finally, I'll ask question here, Michael Murray, do you expect uh, Dwayne Washington to re- be replaced by Ty Montgomery this Sunday? I mean, now that Dwayne Washington, and of course, this question was asked before this, but now that Dwayne Washington has been limited with a back injury on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Thursday, and we'll see what happens today at today's practice, there is a possibility that that does indeed happen. But as of now, what I what I would have expected should Dwayne Washington to be healthy is just that the Saints go into this game possibly with four four running backs and it may be with an extra wide receiver, um, you know, inactive or maybe an additional offensive lineman inactive. You know, they didn't really bring anybody up from the practice squad last week, things like that. So they felt pretty good. They only had four inactives. So they looked pretty good in terms of where they were. So we'll see exactly what happens there. But I think that as soon as Ty Montgomery is healthy and able to get back out on the field, I think they'll get him out on the field. I don't know that he has a huge impact, but we talked about the Saints having, you know, 18 different um, personnel groups last week, they could, with Ty Montgomery, boost that number even more because he can play two positions per personnel group. So if they want to build on what they've already done in terms of being multiple, in terms of being, you know, diverse, in terms of being you know, varied, then Ty Montgomery definitely would be a piece in that. So I imagine he will see the field as soon as he's ready. We'll see how long that takes, but it could be as early as this weekend against San Francisco. And speaking of that, we'll get to that game here in just a moment because we're going to look through our film study on the 49ers. Where can the Saints attack, exploit, and beat the 49ers? And do they already have the pieces in the building? My answer is yes. We'll talk about that here in just a moment here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. This is David Harrison of the Locked on Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, homies and hoodats, we are ready to wrap up today's show with our film Friday took a look at a few of the most recent games of the San Francisco 49ers and how, you know, trying to just figure out how it is that the Saints can exploit, attack, and beat this team. And the fact of the matter is that the Saints have everything that they need. <laughs> the Saints simply have everything that they need. And all they have to do is, and this is the key word, this is the key word that we've been using for, I've, I feel like I've been using this word more over the last few weeks than I've said in my entire lifetime. It comes down to execution. 
all about executing on both sides of the ball. And I'll say at all three phases of the ball. So let's start off with the Saints defense, because that's sort of the biggest question here. How can the Saints defense really stack up and and perform against a group of very athletic wide receivers and and a successful run game, regardless of who's in, who's out. We're not going to focus too much on that. Although I did just completely like forget Kendrick Bourne as a part of the wide receiver e- equation. And I apologize for that. But when it comes down to this Saints defense, what they have to be ready for is to be attacked over the middle and they have to be ready to limit yards after catch. Right now, according to DVOA and football outsiders, the Saints are the 29th worst team in defending Shorten over the middle of the field that has not improved here recently. Hopefully, that's one of the reasons why they went out getting Quan Alexander, hoping that he'll be able to help to improve that area of the defense. And San Francisco 49ers right now lead the NFL as a team in yards after catch with nearly 1,400 yards after catch so far this season by receivers. So that doesn't include the yards after catch when it comes to running backs and uh, you know anything like that out of the backfield as well. So you have to look at this team and the importance. And the Saints have done well with this so far. They did it very well against Tampa Bay in both instances, limiting yards after catch and making tackles at the catch points. That's going to be a huge key in this game as we generally talk about keys to victory. That's going to be a very big one. Defending the middle of the field, limiting yards after catch. The other part behind all of this as well is going to be the way that this team plays against the run game. There's a couple of different areas here for the Saints defense and one of which or not the least of which being runs on short down and distance, right? Particularly like short and third, short and fourth. The Saints, one of the top two teams in the NFL on the offensive side doing that, San Francisco 49ers, one of the top four teams in the NFL at number four uh, in terms of their production and success rate running on third and fourth down, particularly in short yardage situations. So the Saints have to be able to make those stops if they get the San Francisco 49ers, especially with the lack of offensive holding calls being called this season. That means that those, you know, those drives and the distance remain short. Teams aren't facing as many first and 20, second and 20 situations. They're facing a lot of first and 10, and then they advance the ball and they just move forward from there. Not a lot of backing up so far this season, particularly of the 10-yard variety. So when the Saints get into those situations through defending, you know, a third and four, a third and three, a fourth and one, then they have to be able to produce in the run game and get those key stops. Right now, the 49ers' most reliable run direction is behind the right tackle. To either side of the right tackle, they're averaging 4.99 yards, nearly five yards per run to that side. That's Cam Jordan's side usually. So Cam Jordan has to be ready to step up as well as the interior assistance over on that side in terms of getting some stops there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of Malcolm Jenkins lined up over on that offensive right side, defensive left side, to try to take advantage of that as well. We know the 49ers like to run there. They're successful running in that direction. So attack that direction and be ready for that. So we'll see if they end up doing um, little tricks like that, like moving linebackers over to that side using um, Malcolm Jenkins as a bit of a buck linebacker in that instance, right? Where he's playing up against the line, uh, up against the, the line of scrimmage. I think you'll see those types of moves to help shore up that side. Meanwhile, getting the pass rush going is going to be a little bit of a test for Marcus Davenport and Trey Henderson this week because Trent Williams has played extremely well in pass protection in particular. But getting uh, Nick Mullins under pressure is going to be a very big part of that. You see a lot of the mistakes that he's made so far have been while he's under duress, while he is pressured. And he's one of those guys that you can work down his snap clock and then put pressure on him without even getting anybody in his face. So what I mean by that is that there's two ways to generate pressure. You can literally get a defender in his face, which of course generates pressure, but also if the defensive backs can hold their assignments long enough, the clock is simply ticking in Nick Mullen's head. 
three seconds, four seconds, somebody's coming after me. I have to get rid of the ball. That's another way to dial up pressure on the mental side of the game. And that has been something that has been very effective for the Saints. And so along with getting pressure with those down four, if you can create pressure mentally as well, that's going to be a big part for the Saints defense as well. That's going to help establish some of that consistency based upon what we saw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Monday night or last Sunday night, excuse me, in their big win. Um, And they're trying to transition that momentum over to this San Francisco game. And again, the Saints have all of the tools that they need to be able to do it. They have shown it, right? They've shown that they can play comfortably, that they can play calmly, and that they can execute in the secondary, that they can generate pressure from the down linemen. They have the tools that they need to attack, to exploit, to win. So now let's go over to the offensive side. And this one is pretty simple. Look, the way that San Francisco plays defense is that they use a lot of off-ball linebackers in the middle of the field. So the matchup for Alvin Kamara is going to be very important in this one. That matchup, Fred Warner, Alvin Kamara, we talked about it in yesterday's episode, Brian Peacock of Locked on 49ers and I. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. A lot of good information there. It's going to be a really big matchup, but I'm also really excited to see how the Saints game plan against this defense, knowing that the corners are going to probably split field side and boundary side. And so let's explain a little bit what that means. Usually when you are when you have your offense lining up, you're lining up in one of three different places on the vertical plane of the football field. You're either in between the hash marks or you're on one of the hash marks. That's why sometimes you see teams at the end of a game when they're in field goal position, maybe just run to one side of the field and then and then and then fall down. That's so that you can get the ball set where the kicker likes to kick from, whether it's a left hash, right hash or right in the middle of the field. So depending upon where you are, you end up having a little bit of the um, you end up having the field or you end up having the boundary. And more times than not, you're starting on one of the hashes. The middle of the field is like for a touchback and things like that. So when you're looking at the hashes, if you're on the left side, if you're on the left hash mark, then the left side of this, the left sideline is closer to the center of the offense. The right sideline is further from the center of the offense because the ball is placed on the hash mark. That's where the center lines up. So you have the field side, which is toward the right sideline in that instance, which has more field. And then you have the boundary side, which is the side that is closest to the boundary. So what the cornerbacks for the 49ers will do is that one will take the field side, generally Verrett, and then the other corner, we'll see who it ends up being, will take the uh, will take the boundary side. So the rangier guy is where there's more space. The more sort of lockdown physical guy is where there's less space. So the Saints will be able to use that knowledge in order to game plan and get Michael Thomas where they want him, Emmanuel Sanders where they want him. Whoever it is that they use to try to exploit this, they're going to be able to specifically game plan and call plays based upon which hash they're lined up on, which is just one of those testaments to how much of a genius Sean Payton is because that will be on his mind, right? Where are we on the field vertically as opposed to just marching up and down the field where you're counting the actual yard lines, right? Where are we on the field relative to sideline and field position? So that will be something to watch. And I think you're going to see the Saints find ways to create a lot of confusion on the boundary side, right? A lot of receivers over there condense that, but then try to open up the space over on the field side and then get some of those one-on-one situations for maybe some catch and run opportunities. So all of that will be something to watch, right? The screen game, the the swing passes, all of that, the slants, all of that might lean a little bit more over to the uh, over to the field side, which is the again, the side that has more field available, whereas all the condensed route concepts may take place over on the boundary side where the field is more condensed, confusing, creating conflict defenders, running defenders into each other, those types of things. So 
I'm very excited for this game because they have all the pieces. They have the pieces for the pass rush. They've shown the consistency for the for for coverage on the back end. On offense, they have Alvin Kamara and the run game in Latavius Murray to take advantage of a light front for the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to use a lot of off-ball linebackers, not guys that are going to get downfield and be thumpers. They have off-ball guys. So Latavius Murray can eat. Alvin Kamara can eat. Those guys are going to be able to do it. And then you have the mastermind of Sean Payton, who's going to be able to take advantage of literally left side of the field, right side of the field, and how they game plan around that. So I do think that the Saints have every piece of the recipe that they need in order to not only exploit, not only attack, but beat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday and extend their, hopefully extend their NFC South lead, but if nothing else, improve their record to seven and two on the season and win their sixth straight game. So make sure that you come back on Monday. We'll be back right away after the New Orleans Saints hopefully get that victory against the San Francisco 49ers at home in the Dome. So we'll be back, fingers crossed, for our victory Monday. If not, then we'll be back for Sad Boy Monday, and I promise you it will be sad if they drop this game to San Francisco. So either way, you're going to want to tune in, and then we'll jump through the rest of our week as usual. I appreciate y'all, as always, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. It's been Locked on Saints. Trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.